Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. Today, my guest is Frumi Barr who's going to be talking about being a business advisor and who builds fabulous culture. She did it for her own companies and now does it so for CEOs and their teams. Her topic will be how to grow your business without growing broke. Welcome, Frumi. Hi, Janice. So good to be with you today. Thanks for being on. I would like to get started off by having you tell a little bit about yourself. Can you share a little bit about yourself to our guests? Sure. So once upon a time, I was a physical therapist, and I had a few bright ideas. So before I knew it, I became an entrepreneur. And over the course of time, I had three fabulous companies, and each one of them grew exponentially. So for example, one of them was an infomercial company that sold hair products for uh, African-Americans and Hispanics. And within the first six months, we sold $12 million worth of product. So as you can imagine, that's kind of astronomical growth. And what I learned was that a person who's a physical therapist without any business experience really can get into a lot of trouble. So as good as those companies were, I literally almost grew broke three times. So I had to learn something about business at that point. So that was my beginning, and then for the last 15 years, I've been guiding uh, companies in growing and succeeding and working with their people, their strategy, their execution, and their cash management. So that's who I am. That's that's terrific. Um, Your logo says scaling for growth is um, a big five for life enterprise. Can you tell more about the big five? Sure. So a few years ago, when the economy was really down, I met a fellow by the name of John Strzelecki, who is an author of uh, several books. One of them is The Why Cafe, and another one is The Big Five for Life. And it's really all about knowing your purpose for existing, your own purpose, your business's purpose. And then what are the five things that you want to uh, experience or do in your life so that at the end of your life you could say your life was a success? And that doesn't just mean money. It could be anything that you aspire to doing. And companies that instill the big five into their, with their employees really attract the right people and they retain them as well because the company then acknowledges their employees as people and find out what, you know, what interests them and what their big five would be so that they could support them. So we're a big five for life enterprise now. John has been very popular in the Netherlands and Germany. In fact, his book is one of his books, The Big Five for Life, has been on the bestseller list for 116 weeks. And wow. uh, another one of his books, uh, The Y Cafe, is also number one. So there's Big Five for Life coaches all over the world, but not in North America. And uh, I am now in charge of uh, the CEO of Big Five for Life Enterprises in North America, which will support the companies that scale up because it will begin with their, their purpose, their why, and then, of course, 
understanding what their core values are so that they can build sustainable enterprises. So that's what the Big Five is all about. Great. I'm interested in the Y Cafe. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. John's books are parables. So the Y Cafe is a story about a um, who is a little unsure about where he wants to go in life. He's at a crossroads, and he stumbles into this twilight zone kind of cafe where the chef and all the people that work there are really just not regular people. And so he starts to explore. First of all, he sees on the menu three questions. Why are you here? Do you fear death? And are you fulfilled? And those questions are kind of appear on the menu and he starts asking himself these questions. So by the time you get to the end of this book, you really understand that it's important to have a purpose and have your purpose guide you. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Well, I, you know, I, let's talk about those three. Um, why are you here? Do you fear death? And are you fulfilled? Like what would resonate with you with those three that you just mentioned in your career? Oh, okay. So why <laughs> Is that a big question? <laughs> Ooh, right. That's a very big question. Fortunately, I think I have some of the answers. Uh, why am I here? Well, I'm very clear that my purpose in life, or my why, is to create a safe place for people to talk about what matters. And the way I do that is I create fabulous cultures for companies by building the trust up and down an organization that a team needs in order to be successful. So if you if you don't trust your team and you don't speak up in meetings because your CEO shuts you down if you open your mouth, problems don't get solved the same way. In fact, if you remember the, the challengers, the O-rings weren't um, correct, and nobody at NASA spoke up because it wasn't the kind of culture where you could just speak up. So having a culture where people trust each other allows them then to have the kind of discussions that they need to have to make better decisions, and that allows the individuals to make commitments to to keep the promises they make in those meetings people become accountable and finally you get results because of that trust that you build so it all starts by creating a safe place and that's my purpose to create that safe place whether it's for my family whether it's for the teams that I work with I'm kind of that uh, container if you like where, where people feel safe to be vulnerable so that's my right I- is that good enough that's, oh, that's that's terrific. Um, you know, let's talk about real quick before you get to the second one, which is a little, I'm curious about that, but the, the trust part and and creating a safe place in, in the corporate world, how, how you mentioned that, and I think it's really important to our listeners and to me personally. So how, how do you, how do you create that within your experience with working with um, companies? Sure. It's all about communication. Leadership is communication and communication is leadership. So how do you create that safe place? You start off, the way I start, is I always speak to the individuals on a team one one by one, and I find out what's going well Mm -hmm. and what would they do differently if they were in charge. And that kind of lays a foundation so by the time I'm in the room with the team, they really feel that someone knows them and they trust me to be able to manage the team and manage the conversation. So I start there. But in addition, I use a couple of tools. I use Everything Disc, which is a, um, an assessment that allows me to understand how to communicate with different people and how they should communicate with each other and how not to communicate with each other. And the second mm-hmm. assessment is called 
the five behaviors of a cohesive team. It's Pat Lencioni's work. He's very well known for his book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. This assessment kind of flips it around and calls it the five behaviors of a team. And it, it really evaluates where the team is at in terms of their trust, their commitment, their, their accountability, etc. So I have real clues on, on how to deal with the team just by these assessments. And, uh, and I go from there. So whichever area is struggling, whether it's the trust part or the commitment part, really always boils down to trust, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where we start, and that's how we work with teams. Do you find going into a situation like that that there's sort of not a whole lot of hope? that um, you can make a difference with, especially with the trust isn't there? You know, the people who can't deal with those kind of conversations usually are the ones that self-select out and should leave. Those are not the people you want on your team. Most people react very well to it because most people, you don't learn these things in business school. It, It takes someone coming in to a company and saying, here, I can help you with this to really make a difference. You know, people don't welcome consultants that easily so it's laying that foundation of trust is really my my secret sauce no i i I like that and then number two i'm I'm really intrigued by do you fear death that was the second thing that you had mentioned (laughs) it's a funny thing about death i think everybody fears death but you know what everyone everyone really believes it only happens to other people Right, right. I think we all have these secret thoughts that we're, you know, we're going to live forever. We're immortal. Immortal if we eat ice cream every night. I mean, why is it that people, even when they're warned by their doctors not to do certain things, they do it anyway, right? So they, right. you know, I, I think people fear death. Well, they fear death and taxes, right? And public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Death and taxes, yes. That's that's probably the two most things we fear. The last thing you said, um, number three, was are you fulfilled? Yes, and I would suggest that if you're living your life on purpose, then you will be fulfilled. And if you live your if you know what your big five for life are, then again you'll be fulfilled because no one ever is on their deathbed if we go back to the death topic and says to themselves, I wish I was at the office one more day. <laughs> but this, right? But they may wish in right. fact I heard someone speak on the uh there's a book written by um Kip who was the CEO of uh the container store. And in his book Uncontainable, he talks about losing his mother and the fact that the doctors didn't say that her cancer was incurable. They they gave her chemotherapy, and had they said, "This, you know, she she is going to die. This is not curable." She would have lived her life differently in those last six months. So I think knowing how we want to live our life and actually doing it—that's that's what fulfillment is about. It's about right. purpose and 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 living it, not just knowing it, but living it. Exactly. And you had mentioned to me about purpose and core values. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important to you as well. Um, can you, you had mentioned to me uh, about a secret sauce. Can we talk about that for a second? So the secret sauce is culture. And part of that is knowing your why. That's the first part of that. The second mm-hmm. part of that is knowing what your core values are. Core values are not something that, that you just think up, put in a piece of paper, and put on a drawer. And I heard a tremendous uh, analogy about that yesterday as well. I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but if, if I asked you, 
to name the Ten Commandments. Do you think you could name all ten? Because most people can't. No. <laughs> I could okay. not. Good. You're human. I'm relieved to hear that. You're, you're human then. So most people can remember four or five, you know, honor thy parents and all, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. thy father and thy mother. So it's mm-hmm. the same with core values. Those ten commandments are core values for life, right? And in a company, a company may have core values, but if you can't name them all, then they're not your values and if, or, or you're not living them. So in a company with a great culture, not only can they name their core values, but they will tell stories about them. So there's a, a company in Canada um, called McKinsey Perry, and one of theirs, their, their key um, core values is make mama proud. So there's a value right. you probably relate to, right? Make mama proud. What does that mean? Absolutely. It really is talking about integrity. So if you couldn't tell a story about making mama proud in, in two or three quarterly meetings, it's just not true. It's not, it's not your core value. So you start to listen for, okay, what are people talking about? What are they saying? Another one is uh, put the cap on the toothpaste. That's about responsibility. So if, right. you can, if you can share those stories within a company or even within a family, then you're really living your values. And then another thing that I learned about values early on is that you may say that um, you love your parents, but how do you spend your time and your money? Do you visit them? If they live out of town, do you travel there? And I remember when I evaluated myself, and I thought, gee, I love my parents, but I don't go to Montreal nearly often enough, and I probably don't spend enough money on them. And and I resolved at that point to buy my mother a computer and write her every day, which I did for six years until she passed away. But there were no loose ends when Mm. I did. That relationship was so strong. No, and that, that's, that's a case of really living a value or recognizing you're not living a value and then living it because we're not perfect. So, no, and Frumi, if you were to think about one virtue or rule about life that your mom mm-hmm. instilled in you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? <laughs> Oops. Uh, <laughs> I put you on the spot. Well, the Sorry about that. that. The mind I don't really agree with. My mother always said, let the man think that, all the ideas are his. Now, how does that work for <laughs> women leaders? I don't think so. So the better one came from my father. My father said, always make sure that you have a career or profession so you can be independent and make choices based on being independent. So I really like my father's. I, I follow my father's guidance. More. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we really can't choose, you know, which one. We have to listen to both, right? And then now on the on the other hand, if I were to ask you what one thing your children, because you have five, which is just terrific, right. um, what one thing would your children say that you tried to instill in them? What comes to mind? Education and independence. I always encouraged my, my children to be independent. Uh, I think I was a good role model for them. I always believed not in, in work-life balance, but in work-life integration. So my son, Corey, for example, was a baseball player. I was always at his 3 o'clock games. And what I said to them was, you have to treat your children like your number one client. So if you had a client at 3 o'clock and you had a second important client call, you would say, I'm sorry, I'm busy at 3. Are you available at 5 or or tomorrow? 
And you have to treat your children the same way because they're, you know, your clients are temporary. Your children are for your whole life. And so they always have to feel that they're important because nothing is more important than, than your children or your family. So you can make it all work. Well, I, I like that about treating um, your children like your clients. Like that um, resonates with me too. And in general, do you think women are being given equal opportunities these days as men in the consulting world? I, th- I think if they take the opportunity, I think that in corporate, it's very hard to work nine to five. And, and so many more women as a result are obviously becoming entrepreneurs. I think when you're an entrepreneur and you can control your own life, then you can control your schedule. And if that means you're at a baseball game at three o'clock, well, be in your office at nine o'clock in the evening. But um, I think women have the opportunities. I think they just have to step up and take them. Absolutely. And what do you think young women need to know about the way things um, have changed and how they should approach their work these days? You know, I speak to many very sad women who are in their late 30s who who focus so much on their jobs that they let life go by and then they start to panic as their biological clocks tick away and they start to get worried about will they ever have a, a family. So I encourage people to think about their purpose early. Even in when you you're in college, you you should be thinking about what do I want for my life? Because life just goes right. by in a blink. So I really encourage people to 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 focus on what their their why is and their purpose, which right. are interchangeable. Absolutely. And you have um, a couple books. Would you like to talk about those? Sure. So the first book I wrote was part of my PhD process, and it's called Confessions of a Resilient Entrepreneur: Persevering to Success. It's actually my story, but it's also a story of an entrepreneur with a lot of ups and downs and just, you know, staying staying on the road to success. And it's also a guide for people who are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs on what they should look for and how they should think about their values and their their purpose and, and all of those things. And the second book is called A CEO's Secret Weapon, How to Accelerate Success. And I was very lucky to work with Simon Sinek, who has 22 million views of his TED Talk called Start With Why. And uh, Simon wrote the, the uh, foreword to my book. And it's all about using your, your purpose to, as the engine that, that powers all of the challenges that you face in a business. And I, I interviewed 50 CEOs around the world before I wrote this book. And I got 40 different challenges, which I synthesized into 10 chapters, and that's what the book is about. So how do you, how do you go through difficult economic times? How do you deal with difficult communication issues? Well, every challenge you can think of, the, 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 using your purpose as your engine is what makes you successful and accelerates success. Thank you for me. Um, can you let us know what your website address is so that our listeners can get in touch with you? Sure. Well, they can contact me at Dr. Frumi, that's D-R, Frumi, F-R-U-M-I, at scalingnumber4growth.com, scalingforgrowth.com. The website is scalingforgrowth.com, uh, which is my frumi.com website. My new website will be launched the first week in November, and it's going to have three parts to it, growth for leaders, growth for Mm -hmm. businesses, and growth for coaches who want to learn how to help leaders 
find their purpose for their businesses and, and for their employees. So there's three growth areas, and anybody interested in growth as a leader, growth as a business, or growth as a coach can contact me at Dr. Frumi at scalingforgrowth.com. Um, thanks, Frumi. And also, too, who, who um, are your ideal clients? So my ideal client is a wicked smart entrepreneur. Maybe not Bill Gates or someone who's, you know, who, who didn't finish college and became Microsoft, but someone wicked smart who may have dropped out of college or maybe was a history major or philosophy major and not a business major who is doing really well but wants to scale up and wants an experienced guide on the side. So it's not someone who necessarily wants a coach. It's someone who wants a guide, wants the disciplines, wants the processes, wants a cadence of meetings uh, that, are, that are going to accelerate their success. And as I said before, communication is leadership, and leadership is communication. So there's a very heavy emphasis on the type of communication that, that's needed to do that. So that, that's who my ideal client is. It's man, woman, industry doesn't really matter. It's that, it's that thirst for knowledge, that desire to have a guide on the side, and either someone who's growing rapidly that doesn't want to grow broke or someone who's barely mm-hmm. surviving who doesn't want to grow broke and wants to know how to fix what they're doing. So those are my ideal clients. And I love the wicked smart part. I think that that has, <laughs> that has everything to do with who you're trying to help out there, right? I think so, yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, I'm so glad that you were here today. It's it's been my pleasure, and it's been very interesting, um, informative, fascinating for our audience. Um, The discussion, I've learned a lot for sure, and I'm sure our listeners have as as well, and I appreciate your information ideas. And ladies, I'm so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and your friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. Thank you so very much. Olive Crest is a local nonprofit organization dedicated to preventing child abuse, treating and educating at-risk children, and preserving the family one life at a time. For 40 years, Olive Crest has provided safe, loving homes to at-risk youth throughout Southern California, Nevada, and the Pacific Northwest. There are many ways you can help, including volunteering or becoming a foster parent. Go to www.olivecrest.org or call 1-800-550-CHILD to learn more. That's 1-800-550-CHILD. Call today. You've been listening to the Tal Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.talljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice.